if eating meat is so unhealthy for us, then these statistics are kind of interesting. And one is is that Hong Kong, what country in the world consumes the most meat per capita? It's yeah. Hong Kong. The Hong people Kong, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they eat one and a half pounds of meat a day, more than any other nation. But their life expectancy is 84.3 years, which is the highest in the world of life expectancy. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, India, for example, has the second lowest per capita meat consumption in the world. Their yeah. life expectancy is 68.3 years. And yeah. interestingly, this was much another, lower. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's significant. That's not a couple yeah. of years. So, I mean. so, so, and this isn't just recent. Like this, yeah. they've been eating ton, a whole crap load of meat for a long time. The Hong Kong folks. Um, and, and the other interesting thing was the IQ. Right? Is oh, that, okay. Is that if you look up where the highest IQ is in the world? Hong Kong, number Hong Kong. one, with an average of 108. Which, you know, we've talked about, you know, they it, they say that the, the evolution of human beings and the enlarging of the human brain was a result of, of meat being introduced to the mm-hmm. diet of some of the... Uh, yeah, that uh, and meat. fire, right? Yeah, so and cooking. Being able to yeah. cook it, yeah. Whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough. Welcome to Dead Set on Living, a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer, stronger, and more fulfilling life. Now here's your badass host who raced Usain Bolt and won, Lynn Bravo. Welcome to another episode of Dead Set on Living. I'm your host, Lynn Bravo. I have with me today, again, Ryan Ranelli. Ryan was a former Canadian boxing champion and the owner of No Excuse Fitness and Boxing in Burlington, Ontario. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, again, yes, it was the nice chatting with you last time. We talked about intermittent fasting last time you were here. That's right. That and, was... uh, I know a lot of people were really, uh, it really enjoyed that podcast. We got a lot of really great feedback. In fact, it, I think it, it maybe still is the number one watch podcast or listen to podcast. So that's really cool. That's good to know. I... So now we'll see if we can top that with this discussion today. <laughs> Perfect. So today we're going to talk about nutrition and diet died in the sense of what we we eat and uh, we also wanted to look at just our food sources you know some of the latest trends in food and giving our opinion and sharing our experiences with the listeners so I thought a good place to start would be our own personal background in nutrition. So as some of my listeners will know, I was a vegetarian in my late 20s and then became a vegan and was a vegan for almost 14 years. Over that time I had I was reading Every book I could get my hand on about nutrition, my, my, my quest in life was trying to find the optimum diet for me. And so I've read so many books and looked at so much research. And over this time, my diet has changed quite substantially over my life. So I, I'm no longer a vegan. I now, I guess I'd call myself an ethical omnivore, where I do eat meat, not large quantities, but the meat I do eat is grass-fed and humanely raised, and the vegetables I eat are organic and also sustainably grown. So I do eat uh, both meat and vegetables. I've found that that's working really well for me. And my feeling is, is that the best way to tell if you're on a good diet or that a diet that's right for you is how you look and how you feel. It's pretty simple, really. If you're feeling great and, know, and you're healthy, I think you might be on the right path. So, Ryan, why don't you share with us what, uh, what your thoughts are about diet and nutrition? That's a good place to start, for sure. How you're feeling right now is probably a good indicator of whether you're eating right or not. That's a good observation. Where I'm at right now, as far as the way I'm eating, kind of came about 
you know, through lots of trial and error, listening to nutritionists uh, while I was on the national team, and then all the way into my own research throughout the years. And then just a lot of, you know, kind of experimenting and where I'm at now, um, I got to just basically by being more in tune with my body and listening to the way my body's reacting to Mm -hmm. the foods that I'm eating. So I think now I'm probably at the most optimal place that I've ever been at in terms of like the way I'm eating and what I'm eating Mm -hmm. and the way I'm feeling, you know, in relation to that food. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) how much do I owe you for that lie? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so what, can you tell us a bit about what you're eating? Like, it sounds almost a little bit like paleo, but carnivore like you're eating more meat than say an average paleo person would eat. how would you describe your diet like what are you eating now yeah it's hard to put me like on a spectrum of any, yeah of like paleo or i guess i'm between paleo and you can call it like paleo and just like grain free so like i'm still eating carbs so that doesn't really fall in line with with paleo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm grain free so that's falls in line with paleo but i mean it's really hard to kind of narrow in what i'm what i'm eating i just i eat based on how i'm feeling during my training like if i go more towards like keto like high fat protein i've got less pop you know in my punches less power in my lifts and then as soon as i add in carbs again from good sources uh, i've got that that fire back that pop right so so it's really hard for me to just kind of stick to one way you know I, I kind of oscillate between like lower carb higher protein and fat to like you know cycling in those carbs whenever I, I feel I need it so what can you give us examples of the carbs you're currently eating sweet potatoes regular potatoes rice a lot of a lot of vegetables and then fruit of course mm-hmm. but yeah I feel I actually feel 100% best when I have like like rice as my main carb intake right mm-hmm. next best would be like potatoes okay yeah, yeah but again like not not like a heavy amount it's just that whenever i i do take that out of my my diet completely it's just you're i'm just feeling zapped right there's like a there's an end to that rope mm-hmm. so to speak you know if you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. so okay and then meat wise you do eat uh, quality meats like pasture or grass-fed meats and quality meats i try to as much as i can yeah mm-hmm. like i shop at goodness me so it's local grass-fed most of the time as much as i can uh, i do a couple meals a week uh, from this website called goodfood.ca mm-hmm. you heard of it mm-hmm. yeah life's busy you know you're gonna have to do the best you can where you can and that's where i'm at so okay And but I did want to keep talking a little bit about yeah. the meat because yeah. uh, if if anyone's listened to our podcast about intermittent fasting, you are currently, uh, like you vary it a little bit, but a lot of the time you're only eating one meal a day. And, and at that time you eat quite a large, it's not like you're eating one serving of meat when you have that one no, meal, right? No. Like how? No, it's a feast because I've got to, I've got to get a lot of calories in, in like in a short window, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I eat one meal a day, most days of the week. That feels like the right thing to do for me. Anything more than that, I start to energy levels drop a little bit. And then that being said, like doing that for too long, uh, also has the same effect. So I still like energy still drop if I stick to one meal a day for too long. So then uh, I'll switch it up with like two or three meals on one day. 
Ah, okay. So uh, you don't want you your. Into, it's true. Then you you shouldn't get your body used to a, a the same regime of eating every single day. So if you're going to be a intermittent faster at one meal a day, you should mess things up a little bit and have breakfast and lunch the next day, another day, and then go back again to that once a day eating, or or have two or three days in a row where you eat three meals a day and go back. But you may be eating one meal a day most of the time, but you mix it up with time. some of the other. Methods of yeah, eating. yeah. Most of the time, that's right. That's a good way to describe it. It's just it's it's pretty random. It's it's based again going back to like me listening to how my body's reacting to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never like if you're not feeling well one day, or if you're not feeling like you at your best, mm-hmm. it's always something that you're doing. Like it's it, how could it not be right? Right. <laughs> so, like <laughs> like hello. <laughs> So, so clearly, you know, you, you got to throw a curveball at things once in a while, right? Yeah. And that seems to be where I'm at. Like, I don't follow like a regimented schedule. Like, it's not very specific. It's pretty much, again, just more like going back to what I was saying earlier about being in tune with my body. I'm just listening to my body and pivoting when, when I need to, you know, yeah, yeah. so to speak. And you're just so, slowly getting to know recognize the recognize, symptoms, yeah. right? You recognize the symptom of maybe not having enough carbohydrates or whatever. Yeah. And then next next time you need that energy for, for yeah. boxing or and, whatever, you'll and another, adjust. And another big reason why, you know, energy levels seem to drop when you're following like a specific schedule, uh, eating schedule, is also because uh, our bodies are always kind of working against us to store, mm-hmm. right? So if you're doing one, one meal a day for an extended period of time, you're your basal metabolic rate is like automatically going to drop. It's always going to adjust to store, right? Yes. So your heart rate drops to store calories. Your hormones shift a little bit as well. So your your body's always adjusting to store, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why that curveball, again, just kind of pivoting in the moment, you know, switching it up once in a while is is like, huge for your metabolism, your energy levels, and there's a lot of like huge benefits to fasting. So anyways, that's where I'm at right now. And that's, that's what works best for me. So probably it, it's a, uh, you're horrifying all our vegan and vegetarian listeners out there with eating large quantities of meat at times. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I just wanted to say like, you know, I came back to meat after not thriving on a vegan diet mm-hmm. or vegetarian diet. Again, for me, just small amounts works really well. So I never found that I needed to, to introduce large quantities of meat, but there's there's so much discussion now going on about meat eaters out there, like because the vegan movement is really taking hold. And some of the people that I've read about with regards to meat are are quite interesting. It's it, it one of the people that I, I I have looked into a little bit is Dr. Sean Baker. He has a TED talk on sort of the optimum diet, and he, yeah, he's yeah. an orthopedic surgeon, a multi sport world record holding masters 50 plus athlete and he's a zero carber so he eats just meat i think what was it again with meat and uh meat salt and water i think yeah yeah Yeah, something like that yeah yeah. so he's pretty hardcore yeah he really is yeah Yeah, it's crazy but that's sort of taking meeting to what we might view as an extreme but some of the points he brings up and i did look all this up and it is true like he's you know we if eating meat is 
so unhealthy for us, then these statistics are kind of interesting. And one is, is that Hong Kong, what country in the world consumes the most meat per capita? It's yeah. Hong Kong. They, Hong people Kong, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they eat one and a half pounds of meat a day, more than any other nation. But their life expectancy is 84.3 years, which is the highest in the world of life expectancy. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, India, for example, has the second lowest per capita meat consumption in the world. Their yeah. life expectancy is 68.3 years. Yeah. And interestingly, this was Much another... Much lower. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's significant. That's not a couple yeah. of years. So, I mean. so, so and this isn't just recent. Like, the, yeah. they've been eating ton, a whole crap load of meat for a long time, the Hong Kong folks. Um, and, and the other interesting thing was the IQ, right? Oh, that, okay. Is that if you look up where the highest IQ is in the world... Hong Kong, number Hong Kong. one, with an average of 108, which, you know, we've talked about, you know, they, it, they say that the, the evolution of human beings and the enlarging of the human brain was a result of, of meat being introduced to the mm -hmm. diet of some of the... Uh, yeah, that uh, and the, fire, right? Yeah, so and cooking. Being able to yeah. cook it, yeah. I find that's an interesting point to, to when I was reading about him. I thought, yeah. oh, I had no idea that was the case. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so because I'm a big advocate of the blue zone countries, you know, where the five countries in the world where the most people live to 100 years old or longer with health and longevity and happiness. Yeah. And so their diets, uh, all but one of them are... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, it's more like of a Mediterranean style Yeah, diet, like two of them are Sardinia like, and Icaria, which are in Greece and Italy, that style of eating. Okay. Yeah. Then there's one in Japan, Okinawa, is it, I think? And, uh, and then there's Costa Rica and then the uh, uh, First Day Adventists in California who are vegetarian but the others do eat meat but in very small quantities so they like really small it might be only once or twice a week or even less than that so I've always been thinking you know that resonated with me and that's kind of how I eat and 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 keeping in mind that the blue zone folks that what they eat is only a very small part of what National Geographic's team discovered was the reason for their longevity yeah so food it's not, was only it's like a couple complete, two out of yeah. nine things were food related the rest were community and a lot of factors and exercise, right? you know moving every day and that sort of thing so yeah that being the exercise case I was huge yeah, like well, just and not they never like they wouldn't go to no excuse fitness for training. No, it would be a lot more passive exercise. Yeah, well, it would be just like gardening and walking yeah. to the stores, walking to see friends, walking to see church, and walking up and down the hills. It's just, but they're doing it every single day. Mm -hmm. It's constant functional movement yeah. that keeps them moving and useful. But nonetheless, I was really surprised to feeling so, you know, to me that made sense, the Mediterranean diet or eating a small amount of meat and a whole crap load of vegetables, that, that just sort of felt right to me. So when I read about Hong Kong and their meat eating, I thought, whoa, I, <laughs> that's crazy. I had no idea. The other person who, I mean, listeners will either love or hate this guy is Jordan Peterson. If you look love up... Him. <laughs> I do too. Uh, he he's a carnivore now, right? He yeah. he's eating just meat. Like his, he's, they're eating meat, salt, yeah. and water. His and daughter started exactly. Yeah. yeah, like I I just listened to the or looked up their information and. His daughter was suffering with terrible, terrible problems, both with mental issues of anxiety. She's been and on arthritis, <clears throat> and, and she had yeah arthritis. Yeah. She had all kinds of really serious problems, and she was on anxiety medication since she was a young child, and so on. And she just did the elimination diet, and she eliminated all. She just kept feeling better and better, and she eliminated all the way back to 
just, just meat. meat. Yeah, meat, <laughs> and salt, then and water. She's been thriving on that ever yeah. since, like for quite a while now. I think 2015 or something like that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's it's just sort of hard to believe, yeah. hard to wrap my just, head around that. But, just goes but, to show how different people, you know, different things different. works for yeah. work for different people, right? Yeah. So it's interesting listening to all her interviews and and where she's at and just looking at her. I mean, she looks great. And, yeah. And very uh, healthy. Yeah. yeah. And like she had so much trouble with her skin, and she's got beautiful yeah. skin. And so I guess her father's seeing, uh, Jordan Peterson's seeing this, this success she's having with, yeah. that has also adopted that diet be- to try and help That's with right. some of his ailments and things. Yeah. So Yeah, and as far as I'm, uh, I've, uh, as I've heard, uh, like he's experiencing a lot of like benefits from, mm-hmm. you know, lowering his anxiety, dealing with stress a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down like to the weight that he was at in his 20s, mm-hmm. you know, so he's, he's very lean, healthy strong right yeah yeah he's got yeah. tons of energy apparently so yeah so yeah. uh it's interesting my feeling still is is that whether you're a vegetarian a vegan or and or or an omnivore and eat meat and vegetables or, or a carnivore you, you you like you said you still have to go by how do you look how do you feel what's working for you and listen to your body because mm-hmm. you can Absolutely. find your way through this everyone has their is going to be optimized by a different diet there isn't a one shoe fits all size fits all for anyone you have to find your way you have to 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 learn educate yourself and experiment until you find what's working with for you absolutely yeah so you and i ryan like we the intention of your your gym and your fitness group that you have and and for me in these podcasts is like we we want to help people be healthier we want them to live long lives and we want them to be happy absolutely I mean, that's our motivation for doing what we do in our lives yeah right? in a nutshell yeah that's and our so, programs are based around that at the gym for sure yeah and yeah. so i i want to stress we're not trying to force people to be carnivores or eat meat but, no i'm but but what I do stand back and see, like, and the reason I did, just felt compelled to, to talk to you about this is that tons of my friends are vegans now. Like, it's just, it's amazing how many people are yeah. becoming vegan so they, and very chosen, passionate vegans. Chosen know, that like, lifestyle. Yeah. And is it the ethical reasons or is it, yeah, was it health or was it? The big, the, they, they say the biggest reason is because of not wanting to do harm to animals, okay. right? So that's their and, big motivator and or at least what initiated it. Yeah, and that's probably the most compelling argument for, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. being vegetarian or vegan, right? And then uh, a lot of them have a done lot of their the research, other, but they do believe yeah. it's healthier too. Like, yeah. But, but like, like anything, I still feel the like... Health, I think the yeah. health argument, that's where it falls apart. You know, right. pretty quickly, well, I right? feel that too. But I mean, any one of us, uh, I've said this on other podcasts, any one of us can go out and find supporting evidence or supporting people, doctors, chemists, That's right. biochemists, whatever. A lot that of can it support is. Support our argument. Like it's like you get this mindset and this is what I believe. So mm-hmm. then you just go out there and look for mm-hmm. evidence to support yourself. Yeah. A lot of it is anecdotal, right? Yeah. Even, yeah. even the big studies, it's just, it's more or less anecdotal on a large scale i mean yes yeah there are actually so many no factors. randomized studies on human diet that That's have right. ever been done that show what the optimum human diet is like even that when you're doing these research things the biomarkers you can't even go by biomarkers because for example if you're testing like hormones or levels of vitamin d levels of vitamin d in our body switch 20 percent up and down all day long like every it's just yep. that one moment in time when you take the sample that's right that's yeah. what your vitamin d level 
level is. But two minutes later, it could be up or down. Could be up, down, yeah. yeah. Same with yeah. the biome. I know all the research they do checking people's stool samples for the bacteria that are in their stools. Again, well, when they've situational, done, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also when they've done autopsies and they've looked at the, stu- the, the biome that's actually in the body still, the stool sample doesn't match what's in their gut. I mean, it's not even close. Oh, so really? the stuff that comes out on your poop isn't necessarily what's happening on the inside. <laughs> so there's all these things like this and, you know, all the different other factors that affect outcomes and so on. Let's just face it. There isn't anywhere I can go to prove that we should eat meat any more than someone else could go and prove that we shouldn't. So what I wanted to talk about today in in more detail, because we do care about our vegan and vegetarian friends, of which I have many. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The thing that sort of sparked (laughs) me was this fake meat thing that's out now you know with yeah, the burgers yeah. in particular the fake meat's there, been around for quite a while but now these burgers like they're and, just and there's there's a lot on both sides right there's fake meat you know from animal products too like hot dogs mm-hmm. um, yeah exactly processed, processed foods right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah processed meats right so I, I wanted to sort of ask you a couple of questions that I always ponder and one is why do we when you when you've decided that veganism or vegetarianism is your choice of how you're going to eat why is meat still the yardstick for our meals? And, and we, we, we have to think, well, what are we going to have for our meat or yeah. fake meat or whatever it's going to be? Yeah. And then we build our dinner around that. And, and we still really prize the flavors and textures and tastes of, of meat so much that we're creating all these fake meat products to try and imitate meat. Like, I have my thoughts about that. What do you, th- what do you feel? Uh, like, what's the re- Why do we crave it for like me, that? You know what? This isn't going to be a popular... Uh... belief but i think it's uh an insidious need for meat like at the cellular level like that's that's our bodies kind of just putting it on like like calling out for meat even though it's the very thing that helped us evolve as a as humans right Mm -hmm. like so you know even though you're you're replacing that meat right with like a plant-based meat Mm -hmm. it's still like it's it's some some subconscious right at a at a so we're deep psychologically level. trying to our bodies are saying deep level is still is still trick it that's right and it's and it's coming out in strange ways like you know uh just like bacon and you know, know beyond burger right so i know i have to admit i used to eat just like bacon on my caesar salad which yeah. are <laughs> or, but the whole thing's really funny, isn't and it? Like, because because this is sort of another question I'll get to. But it's it's like it's funny how we have to have it look like the meat, hopefully sort of taste like the meat, mm-hmm. texturally hopefully similar to the meat, but it's not meat. Like yeah. It, 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 the, the 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 desire for that and the fact that we still build our meals around the meat portion yeah. of our diet that fascinates. I me. think it's partly cultural too, because you can there's a there's a lot of like especially like in the Indian culture, like meat isn't the main staple, you know, right. it's not the main portion of the meal. Yeah. And right? some Indian of, uh, like, groups actually chapatis. don't eat meat at all. They don't, yeah. they're vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Like lentils and chapatis are kind of like a staple, right? And that's like the main thing. But so you can, you can make the argument that it's partly, partly cultural, but I think, yeah. I think it's definitely. I, I think that then that, that whole thought process leads me to, because for me, when I became vegetarian and vegan, it was because of animal, uh, being yeah. more humane with animals. But, but I, sorry, I was, I, what I was going to say is like, that's also because of what's more available in those areas, right? Mm-hmm. 
So it's cultural, but it's also what was what's actually more available in yes. certain areas, right? Well, that makes me want to jump to the history of human evolution because the paleo diet, for example, like the whole world of these paleo folks weren't all eating the same thing that we call the paleo diet. No, like no. They, 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 Every, it's just like, you know, the Inuits, they developed a, a culture that worked around where they lived, which is yeah, in, like Mon- the Mongolians and, the, and who, who migrated over. This immigrant would happen because of where they were living. Like the only thing around to eat was animal products, mostly. They couldn't grow anything. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, their main food was seal up in northern Canada. And then, you know, whale meat and walrus and some fish, surprisingly little fish, actually, but mostly yeah. animals, uh, like seals. And, uh, uh, you know, other cul- cultures would have more of a plant-based diet and growing, you know, groundnuts, peanuts and things and th- things that would grow in the ground. So, like the the paleo diet isn't a, a one size one type of diet that no. fits everyone. It evolved in various yeah. ways in different in different countries. And even I, I would I would even argue that it's not even ideal. Why? So, well, <laughs> uh, just I'm going to let you get away with just yeah. Saying well, that. no. Again, it's uh, you know as we said before, it's it's anecdotal, right? But I mean, I in my experience, I haven't seen or heard of many people people sticking to a paleo diet so hey if you can't stick to it then maybe that's you know maybe it's just not maybe it's just not what you need for you and what yeah yeah, Yeah. or right for you that's right yeah yeah on next week's episode of Dead Set on Living. For me, my choice to become a vegan was because I read The Diet for New America back in the day, yeah. in the 80s or 90s, whenever that was. And, you know, it was it was the rising of our understanding of what in- industrial farming was, all the suffering of these animals that were being grown in such inhumane ways. And so that mm-hmm. put me right off. I thought, I'm never eating meat again. If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, you'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show. Until next time, live life and be well.